like that. You want to try Hello, everybody, that. and welcome it's to like this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Oh, my goodness, it's Friday. And when it's Friday, you know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. That means we have gone a whole week of the Logan Blackman Show. Uh, oh, we didn't. We did not make it a full week of the Logan but we, we missed Wednesday. Oh, no, we missed Wednesday. We missed Wednesday's show. And, Logan, why, oh, why did we miss Wednesday's show? Well, I'll tell you after this. Uh, make sure you go and follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Twitter, you can find me at Logan underscore Blackman, Instagram, Blackman, Logan, with the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show 1. YouTube and Facebook, search Logan Blackman Show. They should pop up. Make sure to subscribe, like, follow, whatever on both. And, of course, you're listening to it right now, so make sure you're following and or subscribe to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. And leave a rating on five stars on both in the description down below on why you feel the way you do. Now... In regards to Wednesday's episode of the Logan Blackman Show. So I have recently, and this is kind of a flex, because this shows that I am better and more healthy than everybody else out there listening to this show. At least most of you. I started working out again. Yes, yes, I know, I know. I, 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 people were coming up to me. They were like, oh, Logan, you're looking, you're, look, you're looking good. You're looking good. I mean, your eyes got these massive bags under them, but other than that, you're looking good. You're looking good. So when we record... Record Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. So today's Thursday. And I started working out again on Monday. And then Tuesday was my second day. That's usually how it works out like that. And I started to work out at 6 o'clock in the morning. I did this in college when I was a freshman at William Penn. We had 6 o'clock weightlifting. And I hated every second of it. But I got through it because it was required. Now I'm putting myself through this for no real reason. Other than, you know what, Logan, we're getting kind of chubby. You know what, we should probably go to the gym again. So then I started going to the gym again. The problem is, when I'm going on this gym kick, because I do this every once in a while, I'll just like randomly get super motivated to go to the gym, and then I'll stop doing it again probably in two weeks. Because I really have no reason to go to the gym other than to keep myself from getting huge. And even then, I'm 220 pounds, I don't feel like I look like 220 pounds. I mean, if I hyperanalyze every single thing that I do, <laughs> I probably feel like it. Like, there was a few times last week where I ate, like, absolute crap. Or two Sundays ago, whenever the, the Bears-Packers Sunday Night Football game was, I had Mexican food in the, the, the afternoon for lunch, discounting the McDonald's that I had for breakfast that morning because I was coming back from Grinnell, and then had a... Domino's pizza and breadsticks that evening. That was one of the moments where I was like, you know what, Logan, we should probably start start working out. And when you start working out, you're trying to get healthier. One thing that I do that's really, really bad, and this is why I didn't record pretty much, I was exhausted. I'm not used I get up around seven every day, but I the thing is I get an energy drink in the morning. I'm trying to cut out caffeine and energy drinks. Like I when I went to, when I left William Penn and went to you and I. I was without pop for about a year, maybe a year and a half. And then I just suddenly brought myself back into this cursed land of drinking pop at restaurants again. Now I don't do it as much as I did back then. Like, I don't go to the store and buy pop. But I'd get it at, at like, grocery, like, I'd go to a restaurant or something, get it like a Coke or something like that. But then when I was also on this kick of no cat, like, no pop, I wasn't drinking energy drinks either. I just went cold turkey on the entire thing and it felt perfectly fine. But now I'm dependent on it. So when I started not doing this and getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning and going to work out, 
you're just tired naturally from working out and just getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning or before 6 o'clock in the morning because you got to get to the gym before 6 o'clock in the morning. And no energy drinks. My brain hurt. My head hurt. I was on a caffeine withdrawal, and I'm kind of on that now. Like, I've got a slight headache now, but I'm toughing through it. I'm toughing through it. This is my, what, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and today. So fourth day, not having an energy drink. And I feel weird. Like, I'm not scratching it, like, scratching myself, like, oh, I need to get an energy drink. I need to get something. I need to get something to drink. Other than I'm going to die. But I have been trying to get to bed earlier, and it's not having an energy drink after working out. It's nice. <laughs> I'm just trying to stay somewhat healthier. And I know eliminating probably the worst beverage out there is a key factor into be- quote unquote bettering yourself. Started working out, took out energy drinks and soda, at least for the time being. I'll probably kick back on those next weekend. Not this week. I'm going to stay true this weekend. But probably, <laughs> I'm a realist. I'm a realist. I'm going to try and stick with working out longer than I did previously. Because there was a stretch where I went about two, three weeks straight of working out and it just stopped. Got back from Montana and just stopped. And then now I'm trying to get back on it again, but trying to stick more routine this time. No real reason for it, other than just trying not to be super big. <laughs> And it's so weird thinking that I'm 220 pounds now. I in high school, I weighed 190, and I looked like a freaking twig. Like I look at pictures back from when I was in high school, and I, I feel like this version of Logan could eat that version of Logan. Like he was so skinny. I'm 30 pounds heavier than when I was when I was a senior in high school. This is five years, six years since then. Gained 30 pounds. Gradually gained 30 pounds. And I didn't, it's not even like it was just, boom. And as there it was. It's all gradual. It's all gradual. But I'm trying to stay healthy. So I'm a little grouchy because every time people try to stay healthy, they get grouchy because being healthy is not always the most fun. It's not fun. It's not fun. I'm not drinking tea. I'm not drinking sweet tea. I'm not drinking pop. I'm not drinking any drinks. I'm not eating fruit snacks. I'm not, even though they have fruit. Even though they have fruit. Now, I say that, and I I, um, I, I did have a Kinder bar last <laughs> Kinder Bueno last night. But I was desperate. I needed something. I just wanted something sweet. I had broccoli, pepper, and tomato pasta with, and spinach pasta. I needed something. <laughs> now, it was good. It was good. I made a little too much of it, but it was good. Other than that, it was good. But now, I'm going to probably make like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for dinner or something. I don't know if that's the correct thing to do. I don't know if that's technically healthy or not. That's probably what I'm going to have to do. I eat eggs for breakfast every morning. Like I feel like eggs, spinach, and tomatoes, cut up tomatoes. I feel like that's healthy, right? That's healthy. I'll try to eat like eat rice cakes for snacks now and all those different things. Not I haven't done that too often, but this is a long segue. This isn't even really needed. <laughs> you know what? We're healthy. We're better than all of you. Better than all of you out there. And people that are also better than us, I know it's hard to believe people are out there better than me, are professional athletes. Great segue there, Logan. Great segue. And when you look at professional athletes, they're the top 1% of the top 1%. The chance of you becoming a professional athlete is near impossible. Like, there's less of a percentage of players in high school that get drafted, let alone have long-standing NFL careers. The average NFL career is like, Three years or something. 
Because we look at the NFL and we look at all the big-name players like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Chase Daniel, you know, guys that have been around the league forever. But those aren't – that's not how NFL careers really work out for most of them. Most of them. There's 53 people on an active roster. There are – how many people are on a practice squad? I think eight. Eight to 12, somewhere around there, I think. I could be, I could be very wrong about that. The average NFL career is on practice squad. And you might be there a year. You might be able to carve out a long-standing NFL career out of it, but most of the people out there are just going to be one and nuns. You know how many first-round draft picks have busted out of the NFL and played two years in the league? It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Alex Leatherwood got cut after one year on the Raiders of getting drafted to the first round this past year. Or two years ago, I guess. 2021. 2021 NFL draft. 17th overall pick, cut after one year, and I think he's on the Bears now. I think. Could be very wrong about that. But we're at the point now in the NFL, and I hate this point in the season, where, like, everybody's seemingly getting hurt. Everybody's getting hurt. Like, for the Broncos and Colts, they play tonight for Thursday Night Football. Javante Williams, torn ACL out for the season. Jonathan Taylor, out. Could be out a couple weeks. Cordell Patterson, I think he tore his ACL as well. We had Daniel Jones getting hurt. We had Tyrod Taylor getting a concussion. We have Tua's injuries. Like we have all these different injuries around the NFL right now. It's not it's not fun. Mac Jones is hurt. Brian Hoyer's backup's hurt. Jameis Winston's hurt. Michael Thomas. Alvin Kamara. Andres Pete. And this is going Tom Brady's even hurt. Like, this is just the the people I can name off the top of my head. This isn't including every single injury. Trey Lance broke his ankle. Sam Darnold broken ankle. It's just tough. This first, there's this tough run of season, ton of run of games in the season. You're just trying to stay healthy at all costs. Just try to stay healthy at all costs. I, I'm just really happy that Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey are both healthy. And for the most part, like Isaiah McKenzie, he got a concussion last week. Jameson Crowder broke his ankle, so he's out in the season. But other than that, the Bills have stayed relatively healthy. Apart from that weird-ass Dolphins game where they had 60% of their starters out. Like, <laughs> it's just, that game didn't make any sense. But other than that, the Bills are relative, like, not long-standing injuries. Their injury r- report is massive. But it's all about, like, oh, he'll, he's limited at practice. He's limited at practice. But he'll play. He'll play on Sunday. And you need people to play against the Steelers. This is Kenny Pickett's first start in the NFL. Buffalo Bills versus Pittsburgh Steelers. I think this is the first rookie quarterback to start against the number one defense since Ben Roethlisberger did in 2004, I think. I could be very, very wrong about that. Like You guys can fact check me on that. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and bore you with the numbers and stuff like that. But this is a big ask. Like I remember Josh Allen, his first start for the Buffalo Bills was against the Los Angeles Chargers. And this is an L.A. Chargers team with a prime Elvin Ingram and Joey Bosa coming off the edge in front of a line that featured Vlad Ducasse, Jordan Mills, and John Miller, and Russell Bodine slash Ryan Groy. Like, this is not an O-line prepared for that. And then the second start was against Neil Hunter, uh, Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, and the Vikings defense, which was seen as impenetrable at that time. Now the Vikings defense, uh, you could, I think a lot of quarterbacks could do very, very well against the Vikings defense now. But Kenny Pickett is the first rookie to start a game this season. Now, we talked about this before, how Kenny, Malik Willis was the first rookie to actually see game time this year. He played against the Buffalo Bills when they absolutely trounced the Tennessee Titans earlier this year. 
First, we're going to see action. And then we saw Kenny Pickett come in last week. We saw Bailey Zappi come in after Brian got, Hoyer got hurt against uh, the Green Bay Packers last week and played well. Bailey Zappi played well. I don't know if he's going to start this week against the, the Detroit Lions, but, man, it's fun. It is it is fun to see these rookies in action. It is fun. Like, Chris Olave has been balling out this year for the New Orleans Saints. Like, other rookies that have been doing well, Sauce Gardner, living up to his name. Sauce Gardner is saucy at the cornerback position. The dude is awesome. Trayvon Walker's played really well as well. And now we finally get to see Kenny Pickett. We see Brees Hall slowly getting into the main role as the Jets starting running back. Like, last week, I think, was the first big step towards Brees Hall grabbing full reins of the starting job for the New York Jets at running back. I think. I could be very wrong about that, but that's what it felt like. Like, this past week, he got 66% of the snaps. That's the most he's gotten all season. And that's what you need to see. That's, I think it's his job now. They draft in the second round to be the guy, and then now they're giving him the opportunities to, and he succeeded. Like, he scored a touchdown. Sure, he fumbled it, but you know what? He was in the end zone before he fumbled it. So it worked out. And he got me fantasy points. Not like it really mattered in the grand scheme of things because I got absolutely annihilated. Like, it's just, it's just upsetting. Fantasy football. I hate it. Absolutely hate it. I'm one in three in the league that I've been in for years. I'm a reigning cha- I'm a former champion in this league. And I'm one in three. And then another league that I'm reigning the reigning defending first time champion. Another league, 4 0. And ESPN has been all out to get me in this league. Absolutely out to get me. It was only till I'm 4 0 scored the most points in the league. And it was finally this week where they finally said, you know what, Logan? You have the best team in the league. We're going to project you to win. I was preseason projected to finish sixth. Now I'm projected to win. And you think this team, like, let me, let's me let just read out the team. Kyler Murray can be insanely frustrating at times, but he's played well towards the end of games. He's my starting quarterback. We have Eckler and Aaron Jones at running back. Stephon Diggs, number one wide receiver in fantasy. Mark Andrews at tight end. We got Mike Williams at running tight end or wide receiver as well. Damian Pierce. We just got the Eagles defense. We got Young Way Koo at kicker. DK Metcalf, Elijah Moore. Brandon Ayuk, Jeff Wilson, Jamal Williams, who's gotten two touchdowns in three games this season? And when I say two touchdowns in three games, no, I mean he scored two touchdowns in three of his four games he's played this season. Two, He's got six total touchdowns this year. He's balling out. We got Romeo Dubs on the bench. We got Jared Goff. We just picked him up, who's absolutely balling out again. Like, And they thought that this team... It's gonna come sixth. Now we've made some big acquisitions, uh, acquisitions before uh, up until this point. Like we got the Eagles' defense, Young Way Koo. We somehow managed to get Jamal Williams. We got Romeo Dub, Jared Goff as backup quarterback. I'm liking it. This team's solid. This team's solid. I think you can look at how many players have been added to your team, or how many moves you've made. As you used to, I've made nine moves. I've made nine moves in this league, and I'm leading the league. And my friend Andrew, who I beat in the championship game last year, who's currently sitting at one and three in the worst team in the league, has made also nine moves. Gotta be smarter with your moves, Andrew. Come on, man. You gotta be smart. But the thing I love and dislike about fantasy, it's fun. Like, fantasy football is fun. But the thing I hate about it is you got teams that are going up against each other. 
You got the starting D. Like, after the Eagles defense and Kyler Murray. Eagles and Cardinals are playing each other this week. That's not ideal. That's really not ideal. Now, I am... I'm cool with the Eagles. I'm perfectly cool with the Eagles. I know a lot of people have their... their I don't know, the certain disdain for the Philadelphia Eagles, but I've been to a Bills game against the Eagles. Brought two friends that were Eagles fans to Buffalo. Had no issues the entire time we were in Buffalo. No issues. So I'm not a- against the Eagles whatsoever. I love Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts is making me feel validated for what I said in the preseason, where I said he could develop into a top-10 quarterback. He's a top-5 MVP candidate, let alone top-10 quarterback. Dude's absolutely balling out this year. I love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. And the Eagles defense is playing well. The Lions playing well. Miles Sanders is playing really well. But the thing I want to see this week against the Arizona Cardinals, though I have Kyler Murray as my team's starting quarterback, I just want the Cardinals to start losing. I really have no issue, again, with the Arizona Cardinals. I have no issue with the Eagles. I have no issue with the Cardinals. I have an issue with Cliff Kingsbury. I cannot stand. We have bashed this move since he stepped foot into the NFL. For those of you are, who are completely unaware of the situation about what surrounded Cliff Kingsbury and why he got the job in the NFL, dude got fired from Texas Tech. Dude was going to be the offensive coordinator at USC. Not even an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Not the USC's head coach. The offensive coordinator at USC and then somehow swindled that into an NFL head coaching job because he once recruited Kyler Murray, who's fresh off winning the Heisman Trophy. And the Cardinals aren't particularly sold on their 10th overall pick from the season prior, Josh Rosen. Like, the only reason Cliff Kingsbury has a job is because Kyler Murray's the quarterback. And you can say the same thing about Steve Kime. It's not too often a GM gets to draft two quarterbacks in back-to-back years in the first round. It's not often they get to stick around and see that plan to fruition. It's the only reason they're around. It's to Kyler Murray. I like Kyler Murray. I don't necessarily agree with Sean McCoy's take about Kyler Murray's extremely overrated and high school quarterback and all that kind of stuff. I think he does things that are certainly unorthodox at times. Sure, he's frustrating. Do I find him cringy at times? Yeah. I don't hate Kyler Murray. I don't dislike Kyler Murray. I particularly like Kyler Murray. He's fun to watch. But I, do not, I cannot stand Cliff Kingsbury. Do I still have that picture? Remember we talked about this a few weeks ago. It was a few weeks ago, a few months ago probably. It was Cliff Kingsbury's record like at the beginning of the season and then past the midway point in the season when he was at Texas Tech and with the Cardinals is, can I find it? I don't remember how long ago we talked about this. How long ago was this? I don't know if I can find it, because it's just crazy. The midseason collapse, the card, every team Cliff Kingsbury's been a part of is ridiculous enough, let alone that he's in the NFL to begin with in the first place. And he's one of the favorites to be fired first. The... At least to me, I don't know if this is like the official lines or anything. The favorite, the overwhelming favorite to get fired at this point in time should be Matt Rule. That Carolina Panthers team stinks. They are bad. Like, really bad. And Baker, we talked about this before the season started, and it kind of bothered me when people talked about it like this. Like, Baker's going to suddenly elevate this group to playoff status. He's going to provide solidity to the quarterback position. He's going to lead them to the playoffs. No. What? What have you seen? I mean, Baker Mayfield, I'll, I'll be honest, he's not a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. But he's not that quarterback that's going to elevate a group of underachieving players to a playoff berth. That's not going to happen. 
Like, we made fun of that during the previews. We made fun of that during when people said that. It's like, who do you think Baker Mayfield is? Like, Baker Mayfield is, on his day, a top 20 quarterback in the NFL. So you think a top 20, if that quarterback, is going to lead a team that's not very good to the playoffs? Playoffs? We're talking about playoffs? Like, again, Baker Mayfield's not bad. He's not terrible. Would I start my franchise with Baker Mayfield? No. I don't want Baker. I'm perfectly content on where I'm sitting at with my quarterback situation right now. Like, the only two quarterbacks coming out of that 2018 draft class that are worth their snuff at anything is Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. And I saw a thing on ESPN. I think they rated the 2018 draft class in regards to the quarterback class as number three all-time because of those two. And they were supposed to be the project pieces that weren't supposed to really be anything. It was Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen were the two top guys, and then Baker Mayfield was kind of just the Browns guy, and that was pretty much it. Like, Baker's not that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. People, we talked about this with the Browns fans before, and I respect the Browns fans for this. I understand this 100% because I've been there. I've been there. You have a you have a team that has struggled with quarterbacks their entire existence. Since they came back in 1999, the Browns quarterback situation has been atrocious. Like, we can go down a conveyor belt of quarterbacks that they've had that have just not worked out. You can just do that with their first-round quarterbacks that have just not worked out. Hell, they drafted a 28-year-old in the first round. A 28-year-old quarterback in the first round. And then got Trent Richardson at third overall. Like, that might be one of the worst first rounds of all time. Like, once Jim Brown said Trent Richardson wasn't very good, everybody was like, yep, okay, he ain't very good. He ain't very good. But Baker comes in... Doesn't do anything particularly special, but he does well. I think he set the then or tied the rookie then rookie record for touchdowns in a season or something like that. While also throwing like twelve or fourteen interceptions, but he threw like twenty seven touchdowns. And then Herbert shattered it. I think he got like thirty four his rookie year. But then he leads you to the playoffs. Not only is he solid, he leads you to the playoffs. So you start romanticizing this whole situation in your head about wow, Baker Mayfield ended the curse. The Browns have a good quarterback. Like the last quarterback to lead the Browns to the playoffs was, I think, Derek Anderson. Like That's how long it's been since the Browns have been in the playoffs. Do you people even remember Derek Anderson being on the Browns? I mean, I do. I was in middle school when that dealt took place. And I remember him most vividly as Josh Allen's <laughs> mentor in Buffalo, signing him off the golf course just to get anybody other than Nathan Peterman starting. That's pretty much what the Bills' mindset getting him was. Like, Browns had... Tim Couch, Spurgeon Wynn, Drep Johnny Manziel, uh, Brandon Whedon, Derek Anderson, Kelly Holcomb. I don't know if I mentioned him yet or not. Who else do the Browns have during this time? Charlie Fry, Jeff Garcia, bad Jeff Garcia. Who else went there? Seneca Wallace was there for a little bit. Was Jason Campbell there for a little bit? Was he there? I could be wrong. Deshaun Kaiser? You passed on Deshaun Watson and then traded back with the Texans took Deshaun Watson and then took Deshaun Kaiser first round. Wrong Deshaun. Wrong Deshaun. Then who else? There's a bunch of other quarterbacks that I'm completely forgetting about. Brian Hoyer was there. Jake DeLome was there. Josh McCown was there. RG3. Like, and Baker's the guy. He leads you to the playoffs. It's not the fact that they have the best old line in football and the best one-two running back tam in the NFL. 
It's not that. It's not that they have a really good pass rush and a solid secondary when healthy. It's not that. It's all because of Baker and his mindset. He's got this elite mindset. He's walked on twice. He won the Heisman. He's done all this great stuff in college. But he's done all this stuff. Like, in any normal circumstance, and again, this is normal circumstances, Deshaun Watson getting traded to the Browns to replace Baker Mayfield is a no-brainer. Every other circumstance apart from this current year, that is a (laughs) no-brainer. Like, Deshaun Watson is a thousand times the quarterback Baker Mayfield is. And I'm sorry for the people that love Baker Mayfield. It's the truth. It's just the truth. I understand, though, why people wouldn't want Deshaun Watson. I can understand that. But on the football field, he is better than Baker Mayfield. That's a fact. So dude got replaced and then traded to Carolina. And then now we're going to go, oh, yeah, he's going to lead them to the playoffs. This team stinks. And maybe he does better with a new head coach. But Matt Rule is just not, not doing it. What was the stat with Matt Rule the other day? I probably have to go to Twitter to find this. Because I could search into Google, but I don't know. Like, if I just search Matt Rule, there will be things popping up about him all the time. There's got to be something. Like, DJ Moore is a baller wide receiver. But he's just not getting the ball. What? Oh, and they have Ben McAdoo. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot Ben McAdoo was there. That's not great either. There was a sp- oh Panthers are one in twenty six under Matt Rule. Where games are in games where they allow seventeen plus points. Do I think he is on Hugh Jackson level? No, no. Like that Browns team was bad, bad. This Panthers team's bad. I I don't think I think this Browns team could beat that that zero sixteen Browns team. I think this Panthers team could beat them. So I'm not gonna go down the road of this Panthers team is worse and Matt Rule is worse than Hugh Jackson. But man, they are bad. And they need something. Like, they fired Joe Brady because they weren't running the ball enough. Well, you don't have Chris McCaffrey. Why the hell are we going to run the ball? We have no options. We have two good wide receivers, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, and we're not using them. So you're going to fire me for not running the ball without our star running back. Like, Chris McCaffrey, they need to trade him because they need something. They need picks. And Chris McCaffrey, though he's injury-prone and a running back, he could get a decent value because he's Christian McCaffrey. And on his day, when he's healthy and playing for a competent team with a competent coach, he is the best running back in the NFL. No one can tell me otherwise. You can't convince me otherwise that he's not. I'm sorry, you can't. But this team's bad. They're bad. They've got some good young players on this team, but they're just offensively just not fun to watch. At all. Don't know how they beat the Saints. That one was weird. And I don't expect them to do anything against the Niners. Like, their next games, like, their next three games, Niners, Rams, and Bucks. You think this offense is going to do anything against those defenses? You think their O-lines are going to be able to hold back the onslaught that those three teams provide? And then they'll play the Falcons, sure. And then the Bengals. And then the Ravens. And the Broncos. Like, and then the Steelers once they get T.J. Watt back. And the Bucks again. Like, it's – Matt Rule probably will go at the end of the season. I don't know about Cliff Kingsbury. If he'll get fired at the end of the season, I think he should. I think the Cardinals could definitely upgrade the head coach position because this team, this offense at least, is better than what they're showing. 
Like, sure, they've scored 20-plus points in every game. No, 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 no. Take that back. I was looking at the Rams score. They scored 12 against the Rams. But they're better. They're they should be better than this. Where did the where did ESPN have them in the power rankings? We'll see where they have them at. Doo, 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 doo. 19. 19. And their defense is very like they'll never build a defense. That's what Cliff Kingsbury doesn't do. Like Texas Tech never had a defense. Like, there's not this team's just not they should be so much better than this. The new GM, new head coach, stat. If you want to do offensive guy. Whatever. Like, they just need something. They just need some sort of change. The Panthers and the Cardinals. Panthers have a lot of young talent. They just need a decent head coach. Cardinals have a lot of talent. They just need a decent head coach. Is there any other coach that I think should really get fired, fired at this point? Uh, scrolling through my Rolodex of teams right now. Ron Rivera. The, the Commanders are bad. The Commanders are bad. We talked about them last week. About them possibly being the worst team in the NFL. I don't think Lovey Smith will get fired. I don't think he'll get fired. I can see them. I don't know. I don't think he'll get fired. Then we look at the North, NFC North. No, no one's getting fired there. I could, uh, Dark Horse Kevin Stefanski, maybe, but. Oh, Frank Reich. I think he could definitely get fired. And Chris Ballard. Like, they're. they're, they're getting, Jim Irsay is getting impatient. I don't know how the hell they beat the Chiefs, but they're bad. That's a bad football team right there. Uh, going to the NFC, AFC West, maybe Nathaniel Hackett gets fired after one year. Like, they look inept on offense. They look brutal. Going to the NFC West, Cliff Kingsbury, maybe Pete Carroll, maybe. I doubt it. He's a legend over there. I doubt he'll get fired. He'll probably step down at some point. Then we got the NFC South. I don't know. Would, Rod, would Arthur Smith get fired? I doubt it. They're in a proverbial tank. Like, they're... He said he had some weird quote today, too. What did he say? Sticking with the NFC South. He had some strange, like, obvious quote today. What did he say? Someone because someone quote tweeted it. I thought I thought it was funny, but I don't remember what it said. But Arthur Smith would just get fired from the fact that he's not using Kyle Pitts at all. He's using a receiving tight end, one of the most generationally talented tight ends in NFL history, in NFL draft history, and he's using him as a glorified tight end. You can do that with George Kittle and TJ Hawkinson because they came from run blocking schools. Kyle Pitts is an insane wide receiver. He's the second ever tight what? His second ever tight end to have over a thousand yards receiving in his rookie year. The other one's Mike Ditka. I think that's right. And now we're using him as a blocker. No, 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 no. Kyle Pitts, get that dude the ball. Get that dude the ball. He can make a ton of plays in open field. Get that man the ball. NFC North, no, no one getting fired there. NFC East, Rivera, and then that's probably it. Maybe Mike McCarthy at some point, but I, I don't know. Not right now. Not right now. The Cowboys are playing well. But yeah, so you got like Rivera, you got Kingsbury, and you got Rule. I think those are the big three. I think that's the big three. Rivera, Kingsbury, and Rule. And then maybe... Maybe Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> just because. Oh, Reich. Reich's up there, too. So I think those are probably the five that I would say. If Nathaniel Hackett can't figure it out, like this offense is bad. The Broncos are brutal. This is their third primetime game this season. Third one. We were forced to sit through the Seahawks game. We were forced to sit through the 49ers game. And now we got to watch them and the Colts play on Thursday Night Football. 
all different days. This the Broncos have played Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night. They scored 16 points against the Seahawks. They scored 11 against the 49ers. And then have it we don't probably what? 15 against the Colts. I have no idea what they're going to score. But this this offense stinks. They're, they're, this offense is brutal. They scored over 20 points once, and that was in a loss to the Raiders, who have the worst defense in their division. Somehow you lost to the Seahawks. Don't know why you paid this much money for Russell Wilson just to kick a 64-yard field goal. Like, I could I could see Nathaniel Hackett being one of those one-and-done coaches. I do always feel somewhat bad for one-and-done coaches, but this is another situation of a guy that gets a job because he worked with Aaron Rodgers, he worked with Peyton Manning, or he worked with Tom Brady. Who the, why the hell is that a job? Like, sure, you worked with them. How much are you doing? You're not doing anything. Adam Gase, what the hell did you do with Peyton Manning? Oh, he's a quarterback whisperer. How? Peyton Manning did a thousand things more than Adam Gase did in Denver. There's no way. I refuse to believe Adam Gase was telling Peyton Manning anything to do. Nathaniel Hackett, you think he's telling Aaron Rodgers what to do? Or Josh McDaniels to Brady? These guys are running their own plays. And I don't even think, was Hackett even calling the plays in Green Bay? Or is that LeFleur? Who calls the plays in Green Bay? Because even then, I'm like, I I don't think this guy's ever called plays before. I know he did in Buffalo. I know he did in Buffalo. He was the E.J. Manuel Bills. And that offense was awesome. (laughs) But that was that was a uh, handcuffed by awesome head coach Doug Marone. But man, this Broncos team's their offense is bad. Like I I had semi decent expectations going into the season, but uh, for the Broncos, they're not they're not very fun. They're not very good, and neither are the Colts. The Colts are probably the biggest disappointment up at this point for me. I had the Colts winning ten games. They've won one, lost two, lo- tied one, and the loss and ties. We're to their freaking division. The worst division in football. By far. Maybe the NFC South. But man, the AFC South is not far behind if it's not the worst. The Texas Jaguars had top three picks last year. The the Titans are coming off one of their worst games ever against the Bengals in the playoffs. And they didn't. They The Titans should be primed for the taking this year. The Colts made a move to get Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's looking old. Looking really old. Now, Jonathan Taylor's hurt. Like, how are the Jaguars blowing the doors off you, blowing your backs out 24 to nothing? I understand you can't beat them down in Jacksonville for whatever reason. It's not necessarily the biggest fortress in football. I know they got a massive scoreboard. That's about it. You cannot lose 24 to nothing to the Jaguars. You can't even tie the Texans at home or on the road, wherever the hell. Either way, you can't tie the Texans. How the hell you beat the Kansas City Chiefs? I have no idea how that was allowed to happen. I have no clue. It was just a coincidence the Bills and the Chiefs lost the same week to teams they're better than. Like, have you noticed all the NFL power rankings recently dropped the Dolphins from one to like eight? Because the Dolphins were never the best team in the NFL. People wanted to glorify it because they beat the Bills. When you hyperanalyze the game, or just not even hyperanalyze, just look at the game, they didn't beat the Bills. Bills beat themselves. They had so many injuries. They're playing in the heat. Like they, people want to say, oh, they're play- Dolphins are playing the same thing. No, look at the sidelines. They ain't playing in the same conditions. The Dolphins couldn't have fans. The Bills can't have fans. 
So the Bills are just melting on the sideline. Stephon Diggs had a full body cramp. Bills left 27 points on the field. Dolphins didn't beat the Bills. Bills beat themselves. They won the game, sure. But they ain't, again, we've said this a thousand times. That ain't happening in December. It ain't happening in December. And the Colts, it was the same thing. The Chiefs and Colts played later. The Colts ain't beat the Chiefs again. You can almost guarantee that. It was an anomaly of a game. So people had the Dolphins at one. Now they're all of a sudden, wow, they dropped like a freaking rock. And that's because, oh, now we're going to get upset about Tua not playing or Tua getting hurt and then playing and then getting more hurt. More of a political reason than actually watching the Dolphins play because they're not very good. They're fine. They had a great fourth quarter against the Ravens. But they're not amazing. Uh, they ain't amazing. They ain't amazing. But I just hope Tua can come back healthy at some point. He's not playing this week uh, against the Jets, which is fair. He shouldn't be playing. I don't know if he should play the rest of the season, to be honest. He's been told to retire, which I'm not incredibly surprised about. Dude had a concussion, two concussions in the span of four days. Yeah, I'm not really surprised he's... And it got thrown on a plane two hours. He was in the hospital for two hours. And then just got on a plane and watched, what was it, McGruber? Yeah, he's concussed. He's willingly watching McGruber. Yeah, he concussed. He done. He he probably not even alive at that point. Oh, he moved his extremities. He's fine. No. No, 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 no. But regardless of who the quarterback is when the Bills and Dolphins play in December, the Bills are crushing them. Bills are absolutely crushing them. I expect the Bills to crush Steelers this week. To be 100% honest, I do. You're playing a rookie quarterback, and you don't have T.J. Watt. I understand. Like The thing that scares me, though, like I'm not stupid. I am a realist here. This, I think the Bills should beat the Steelers fairly handily. They're a 14-point favorite. But I am aware of the fact that Minka Fitzpatrick exists. And Minka Fitzpatrick scares me because he feels like he's got an interception every game this season. I could be wrong. I don't know. How to, he's got three interceptions this season so far. And he's just everywhere. He's questionable. Oh, Fitzpatrick knew his list is limited participant in practice. Oh, okay. That's actually interesting. That He scares me. Minka Fitzpatrick does scare me. But I do think the Bills as a whole, like the Steelers offensive line is not very good. I do fear Najee Harris running the ball. But their O-line's not very good. Don't really fear any of their wide receivers. They did sign Xavier. The Bills did sign Xavier Rhodes. But uh, after saying he was ready to go is now on a uh, <laughs> He's still on the injury report with a hamstring injury. I mean, we said he was burnt toast when he was with the Colts. He has recovered from that since he got <laughs> since the season ended last year. But Kenny Biggett making his first start. We got that game going for us. Bill should win that game. We got the Browns and Chargers, which actually should be kind of fun. If I think the Chargers should win. It was a very fun game last year. Like, that, we were at the Chiefs and Bills regular season game last year when this game was taking place. And we were walking into the stadium, and they had this game on the TVs around the stadium. Awesome game. I do not expect it to be the same thing going into this season. But who knows? Who knows? The Chargers without Joey Bosa, without Rashawn Slater. Now, uh, Siler, the rookie left tackle from Georgia, who I didn't even realize till now, fell all the way to the sixth round. And maybe I did realize it at the time, but I forgot about it. But he didn't allow pressure last week. Dude's good. Dude's very good. He was a guard tackle hybrid at Georgia. Played really well. 
And now you're coming against the Browns. I don't know if Miles Garrett's going to play or not. I don't know what his timetable is after the car crash. But I, the Chargers really should beat the. They should beat the Browns fairly handily. I get it's in Cleveland, but the Chargers should win handily in this game. Then you got the Giants and Packers, another London game. It's the first time two teams with winning records have played in London, which shows how awesome this game is. The Packers should win. The Packers haven't looked great on offense either. Aaron Rodgers hasn't played great, but they should not lose the Giants. I'm sorry. I love I love Brian Dable. I think Daniel Jones is playing better, but I don't I don't I don't even know if Daniel Jones is gonna play. I know they talked about Jake Fromm coming back in. Davis Webb is on the roster. Tyler Taylor's concussed. Like they had they were almost having three Bills quarterbacks on the roster. Daniel Jones has an ankle injury. I don't know if he's going to play or not, but either way, if Daniel Jones is playing or not, the Packers cannot lose the Giants. The Packers cannot. I don't care if it's in London. The Packers cannot lose the Giants. And the Bears-Vikings, same thing here. The Vikings cannot lose the Bears. The Vikings have looked somewhat, I, I don't know, wishy-washy for me. Like, you look at the game against the Lions. They had to come back against the Lions. They played, they probably should have beat the Saints by a lot more than what they did. Beat themselves in that game, too. Won that game. Did not show up against the Eagles. Might as well, or might as well have not shown up. The Bears aren't good. The Bears aren't good. I know a lot of Bears fans out there, maybe not a lot of them, but the vocal minority at least do not really rate Justin Fields. That's what we talked about before. I think a lot, they won't say it, but I think a lot of this has to come down to him saying the fans don't understand. Like the fans aren't hurting as much as we are because we're practicing every day. It doesn't matter if that's right. No matter if you're right, Justin. You can't say that. You cannot go around on the record and say that in a press conference. You cannot bash the fans at any extent, especially your own fans. You cannot do that. I'm sorry, it just you just can't do that. So Bears fans are already slowing down on Justin Fields. The Vikings have to beat the Bears. They had to beat them fairly easily. The Bears are not good. I know they beat the 49ers week one somehow, but man, well, somehow, I know how they beat them. It was in a freaking monsoon. If they played that game again, the 49ers are beating them. With Trey Lance on a broken ankle. And, uh, Jimmy G's fine, but... Yeah, the Vikings have to beat them. Lions, Patriots, good lord. The 1-3 and three Patriots who play some of those boring, monotonous football of all time, which is what you would expect from a Joe Judge slash Matt Patricia-led offense. I don't know who's going to play quarterback, whether it's Zappi or, or Mac Jones or who's going to play that game, but can they keep – I mean, the Lions defense is really bad, but if the Lions get going, the Patriots defense is really nothing that spectacular either. Secondary is not that crazy, which is weird to say. No J.C. Jackson, but I don't know. The Lions, are the Lions going to win this game? Are the Lions going to beat the Patriots at home and make the Patriots 1-4? You know how awesome that would be? It's the New England Patriots at 1-4. When is the – you know what? We're going to Google that. When is the last time the Patriots 1-4? When was the, the last time the New England Patriots – Won the Super Bowl. No. We're one and four. <laughs> the third worst the okay. List the Patriots seat. I know I don't I want started the season with four straight losses in that season. No, I need oh god, this is gonna be a pain in the ass, isn't it? I just want to know when the last time they were went one and four to start a season. Do I have to go with the, it doesn't matter. It's been a long ass time. It's been a long ass time since the New England Patriots started one and four. I am cheering excessively hard for the Lions this week. Like when it comes to your division rivals, you make predictions for these type of things, like before the season starts. 
division rivals, if they are going to be worse than what your record you predicted, that's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. The Patriots stink, and I'm all here for it. I'm here for it. Then you've got the Seahawks and Saints. Saints should win. Saints should win. I know Geno Smith's playing possessed right now. I don't know if all the people are coming back for the Saints with Michael Thomas, Jameis, Alvin Kamara, Andres Peter, all of them are coming back or not, but they should beat the Seahawks. It's at home. You should be able to beat the Seahawks. Jets, Dolphins. Dolphins with Teddy versus the 2-2 two and two Jets, which sounds weird to say, 2-2 two and two Jets. Who I think should win. I mean, the Dolphins should win. I mean, they're the best team in the NFL a week ago. Remember, that's how it works. You beat the best team, so you're the best team now. That's how that works out. They should beat the Jets. Jets are going to be motivated after coming off a win against the Steelers the way they did. But the Dolphins have to win. It's on the road. Dolphins have to win, though. Falcons, Bucks, Bucks cannot lose the Falcons. They cannot. I'm not even going to talk about that game anymore. <laughs> Titans, Commanders, gross. Uh, Titans should win. That's a gross game. Jaguars, Texans. Oh, the Jaguars are playing. Good Lord, I don't know if they'll lose a game. <laughs> they, they choked the game away last week against the Eagles. They started off with a pick six. We're up 14 nothing, and then all of a sudden we're down a lot and ended up losing the game. But, yeah, Damian Pierce played well for the Texans. Third-round draft from Florida. Baller. So he was a baller in college. Didn't put up massive numbers in college, but you could see the potential was there. The Jaguars should beat the Texans. We got Niners, Panthers. Niners should beat the Panthers. Not really talking about that one. Cowboys, Rams. Cooper Rush is 4-0 as a starter. You know what that means? Oh, he should start over Dak Prescott now. Yeah, that's exactly what that means. <laughs> oh, my God. I think Micah Parsons could come away with 100 sacks this game. I think Micah Parsons could get 100 sacks. I think because of how bad the Rams offensive line is, I think the Cowboys will probably win this game. Uh, it's I don't really have any more reason than that. The 49ers blew them up last week. I think the Cowboys can without their they're starting to play a lot better on defense too. I think they'll be I think they can beat the Rams. They're underdogs in that game too. Eagles, Cardinals, yeah, Eagles should win. Eagles should win. Bengals, Ravens, that's a fun Sunday night game. I know they're both two and two, but that's a fun game. The Bengals have owned the Ravens for the past year. <laughs> the people like they put up, I think, 82 points against the Ravens last year combined. They absolutely destroyed the Ravens last year in Baltimore, too. Like, they obliterated. I watched Jamar Chase with, like, 300 yards receiving last year against the Ravens. Like, (laughs) he destroyed them. But without Lamar Jackson's playing right now, I think it'd be close. I do think the Ravens will come out on top, though. I do really like the Bengals, though. I do like the Bengals. Then Monday night, Raiders, Chiefs. Chiefs have to beat the Raiders. I don't don't see a reality where the Chiefs beat the Raiders. Or Chiefs lose the Raiders. And then tonight, I'm not even going to predict it. That game sucks. I'm I'm just upset and aghast on why the Broncos are a primetime game again. After what we've seen in the Colts this year, why they are a primetime game, no idea. No idea with this one. But you know what? We're back into the realm of Thursday Night Football. Remember when we were like, if you're my age, remember when you were like in high school, middle school, and Thursday night games were like bad, bad matchups. Like the bad Texans, Titans versus the bad Jaguars, the bad Bills versus the, the Jets. <laughs> Like, it was always the week of bad games, like the day of bad games. No one wanted to watch them. But you know what? You were going to watch because it's football. But no one really wanted to sit down and watch it. That's kind of the rough. We started off hot. Bills-Rams. Chargers-Chiefs. Brown-Steel. Okay. What was last week's Thursday Night Football game? Do I remember? Bengals-Dolphins. And then now we got the, the, the Colts-Broncos. I know preseason this was a fun game. 
I know preseason the Broncos looked like they'd be a lot of primetime games. It'd be fun to watch. Uh, no, they're trash. I do not enjoy watching them at all. Man. Moving on to college. <laughs> and I think... Uh, do I want to start off with this or end with this? No, we'll end. We'll end with it. We'll end with it. No. Now we'll start with it. We'll start with it. So Wednesday, we do, since we just talked about the NFL, we got college football coming up on Saturday. We got the NFL draft coming up in April, but it's going to be coming up here in a little bit, <laughs> in a few months. In a few months, we got the NFL draft coming our way. And we every Wednesday, we do our week whatever quarterback prospect ranks for the 2023 NFL draft 2022 last year and all that stuff wait we've done this for a grand total of two years now but we missed Wednesday's show we missed Wednesday's show we released the the blog post on Wednesday so if you haven't checked it out yet go to loganblymanshow.com go into the blog tab and click on the post read through it hope you enjoyed if not I apologize but it's not like insanely different than what it was the previous week. We had two people on bye weeks. That was Hennon Hooker and Tyler Van Dyke of Miami. We have a new face in the top 10 in Cameron Ward from Washington State. But, like, the top of the list, the top six is the same. The top list six is the exact same. Like, you look at what happened last week. Like, we'll start off, we'll like, just start off with number one, CJ Stroud. He didn't play his best game. And it was a weird game because of this Rutgers. He didn't play his best game. His interception came when he threw into the quadruple coverage, which I saw quite a bit this week, <laughs> which was really surprising with how good some of these quarterbacks are, how often they threw in quadruple coverage surprises me to a certain extent, not going to lie, but especially against Rutgers. That was Stroud's second interception of the season. They won 49-10, but it was harder than expected. Like, Rutgers got stopped on their first drive. They punted. Egbuka, Ohio State's top receiver this year, fumbled the punt return. Did one of those scary spin-around punt return catches. Tried to. Dropped it. Rutgers scored. And Rutgers tried to do an onside kick. It's like, okay, Rutgers. You got lucky with the first one. With the fumble punt return. You could not give Ohio State a short field. You can't give Ohio State a short field. They made him pay. They made him pay. And Stroud, again, it wasn't a great Heisman-worthy performance against Rutgers. Like, we had that previously this year. But this was not his. This was probably his worst game this year. If we're being honest and we're being nitpicky, this is probably his worst game. And they're playing Michigan State next week. Ugh. And he balled out against Michigan State last year. Absolutely torched him. What was his stats last year? 432 with six touchdowns against a, what was it, third-ranked Michigan State team? What were they ranked at the time? They were ranked extremely, fourth-ranked? I don't remember exactly what they were ranked, but now they're unranked. They're coming out three straight double-digit losses. They don't have any Kenneth Walker. Their defense is as bad as it was last year. Ohio State, though it's on the road, it's their first road game of the year. They should have no problems against Michigan State. But Stroud, again, in this game, 154, two touchdowns, one pick, 13-22. Never been a great runner. He can move when required, but he's not, like, going to that often. And, uh, yeah, just not a great performance against Rutgers. I mean, they dominated it, so it wasn't like he needed to do really anything in this game. He just needed to not make a ton of mistakes. And Ohio State ran the ball really, really well. Like They ran it 34 times, 252 yards. Like They gashed him on the ground. Stroud struggling a little bit. Run game's open. You got a couple really good running backs. Let's utilize that. And they torched him on the ground. Absolutely torched him. And Stroud, 18 touchdowns, two picks on the year. Not a great game, but his season's still very, very good. Number two, I need to see if he's going to play. 
Bryce Young, obviously we are, we know that he injured his shoulder last week against Arkansas. And it was really weird because uh, he was rolling. For those who hadn't seen I know it's Friday. The game was a week ago. I'm sure you've seen it already. But he was rolling out to the right. Just trying to make a play because it's Bryce Young. He can move and try to make plays on the move. He's probably the best thrower on the run in all of college football. I don't really think that's crazy to say. I think he's the best off-platform thrower in college football. And on this play, he's rolling out to the right, and he's falling over. And in his mind, he's like, I got to make a play or at least get rid of it. And he throws it like really, really late. And his arm kind of, his shoulder kind of hyperextends. Like he lands on the ground. It's kind of a weird motion. I mean, he didn't land on his shoulder. His arm was extended, so he landed on his armpit. But it was just a, a weird landing. And he went to the lot. He tried to play afterwards. He tried to play on. It just didn't work out. And he went to the locker room. But Bryce Young is Alabama's offense. Jameer Gibbs is very talented. They've got decent wide receivers. But without Bryce Young, you're not, you're not doing as well. And I know Jalen Milrow is a good quarterback. Like, dude was a five-star recruit. Like, he's no slouch at quarterback. And this is no offense to him. It's just talking about how great Bryce Young is of a quarterback. And I haven't seen anything about him playing or not playing. But if he doesn't play, I don't think it's the worst-case scenario. He's a game-time decision. This was two minutes ago from ESPN. Two minutes ago, game-time decision for the game against Texas A&M. But it's against A&M. If you've watched one second of AMM this year, you know they're not very good. Their offense is non-existent. They've always got semi-decent defense, but they got blown out against Mississippi State last week. They have 42 points against Mississippi State. We'll talk about Real Rodgers here in a little bit. I don't think this would be the worst game to sit out if you're Bryce Young. But this, again, like C.J. Stroud, this wasn't his best game. But again, he didn't play very long. He threw an interception. This one was a little unfortunate. Bounced off Shreve's hand, landed in his defender's arms. Threw a couple really nice passes in there, as you do, as you're being Bryce Young. But not an insane performance against Arkansas. I mean, we thought he'd have a really good game because Arkansas's pass defense is not very good. And Alabama was up, I think, 21-0 when he went to the locker room, I think. Could be very wrong about that. I'm trying to remember what the score was when he went to the locker room. But 49-26 with the final score for Alabama. And I don't think Bryce Young, if he said it would be bad. I really don't. Do I think he could get passed up this week? Yeah, I think he could, but in regards to his long-term health, I don't think Alabama will struggle too much. You're at home. I get there's a lot of hype surrounding this game with all the off-season comments between Saban and uh, Jimbo and all that stuff. Alabama should be fine. Alabama should be fine against AM. Number three, Will Levis. Yeah, he had a decent game. He fumbled twice at the end of the game. Which, one of them, he got spun around, landed on top of a pile, and a guy came through and just hit his head on the ball. And then later, as they're driving down the field, DN comes around the right side. He's looking to the left. I got three receivers spread out to the left. He's looking to the left. DN comes around, hits the ball out of his hands. This is a game where Kentucky wish they had a lot of stuff back. There's a lot of things Kentucky could have done differently. Realistically, Kentucky should have won this game. And I'm sure they told themselves that when they went to the locker room. After the game, like, the two fumbles Levis had were both driving down the field. Like, when he fumbled the second time, they are at, like, their own, the, the Ole Miss 20-yard line or 15-yard line or something. They were on the opposite side of the 50 when he fumbled the first time. Uh, they had the safety, which he dislocated his finger, which was gross. And then uh, you missed field goals in the game as well. He missed a throw down the field to uh, Barry and Brown early in the game. 
like there's a lot of things Kentucky could have done differently in this game to where this result would have been a lot different. I think Kentucky could feel hard done by by losing this game, but Leviston, apart from the two fumbles, I don't think he played bad. I think this is a season where Levis is thanking the good Lord above that he's as big as he is because he's getting hit a lot. And it's not even just getting sacked. Like, he only got sacked, I think, three times in this game. But it just feels like every single time he drops back, he gets hit. Whether he's got the ball in his hands or not, he gets hit. And then he runs the ball a lot as well. So he's got that issue there. And he's not running the ball particularly well either. Like, Kentucky's run offense, stereotypically, is very good. This year, it's not. Now, they got Chris Rodriguez back. who's was coming off a suspension. So he's he was back last week, scored a touchdown in this game. But, yeah, he played all right, Levis. I think he, I think you could say that as a whole, I don't, I don't know. The two fumbles were rough. It was back-to-back drives, too. But it's, yeah, number three. I think he could definitely move up to two. I contemplated moving him up to two. I did. I contemplated. I ran through my head a thousand times. Because as we've talked about before, I think there's a real shot and a very good chance that he's the number one overall pick in the draft, or at least the first quarterback off the board. And you're talking about overall skill set and size and all that stuff. I think he's the complete package. And I think number four in this list, Andy Richardson, is the same thing. Florida, they played Western Kentucky or Eastern Washington this week. And I always get those two schools confused. Eastern Washington and Western Kentucky, two different states. But just the red and black. It's just the red and black. But Richardson played well. Richardson played very well, well. The first two plays of the game for Florida exemplify exactly what Anthony Richardson, why I have him so high on this list. And I know the numbers, you just look solely at the numbers, like his stats, they are not great, really. I mean, four touchdowns, six interceptions this season. That's not ideal. And this is a game against Eastern Washington where he shouldn't have a good game. Eastern Washington is not a very great team this year. They're getting beat down fairly easily this year. They're 1-3 and three now. And this is a game, like we talked about with USF. USF's not a great football team. You need to have great games against not great teams. And he didn't have one against USF. He had one this week. The first play of the game, rolls out to the right, slight roll out to the right, and then just bombs it down the field with just a little flick of the wrist. Just a slight flick of the wrist. He might have the strongest arm in college football. He might. He might. I think he's, if he's not the guy, he's definitely up there. And then running the ball, the second play of the game. So Florida scored a touchdown on their first play. 75-yard touchdown. And second play of the game, they run the exact same play, at least that's what it seems like, but there's no pass there. And Richardson runs down the right sideline, cuts it over the middle, and winds up all the way on the left sideline, the far sideline, for like a 50-yard game, 45-yard game. Like, those two plays show you the talent Anthony Richardson has. And this is a game, apart from the interception he had, which, like we talked about before, threw it a quadruple coverage. <laughs> That's not ideal. I don't know why so many quarterbacks did it this week. But the talent's there. You just need to see him put it all together for extended periods of time. But if he can, oh, Lord, this dude's a beast. And he's a beast in general. Like, just him and Levis, I think, are the two most, like, physically gifted quarterbacks in this class. I think those two guys. And I think there's a real shot. If Anthony Richardson could get, like, more consistency as the season goes on, like this week, they're playing Missouri. And Missouri's coming off a very emotional game against Georgia where they probably should have won and choked that game away. So maybe they'd be primed for the take in this week. But Anthony Richardson, if he can continue having this, put up this sort of numbers, and he only played like 
barely, he got hurt in the game, made a great throw. Well, the defender was on his ankle, twisted his ankle, played a drive later, and then threw his interception, and then he was done. And then John Kit, he's got to be related to John Kitna. Kitna came in. There's not a lot of Kitnas out there, so I'd assume they're related. But yeah, Anthony Richardson, just how talented he is, he has to stay number four. The number five, Jaron Hall, tougher game than I expected with Utah State. I thought BYU, given how Utah State's played this year, I know they're traditionally a good team. Just how they played this year, I thought it was going to be a walk in the park, especially with being at Provo at night. I was like, oh, yeah, this BYU's got this 100% of the time. And they did. They won by double digits, but it was tough. It was a tough game. Like, their first few drives of the game were three, three and outs. They did three and out three straight times. And then they start, after they scored their first play, or they, they scored on two plays on their first drive, and then three straight three and outs. And they could have had more gains in there. But Jaron Hall, very nice game. 17 and 27. I mean, not the highest completion percentage of all time, but like 20, 247 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Throwing one interception this season. But like, there's throws in this game. Like, he made a, a fade route to his tight end that wears number 97. A beautiful throw. Beautiful throw. He made a beautiful throw down to Romney down the left side in the first play of the game. Beautiful throw. Like, this dude can make a lot of really, really, really nice throws. I just don't know if him or Hendon Hooker's at six. I can't really say a lot about Hooker. He didn't play. He was playing LSU this week. Should be fun. LSU Tennessee is usually a fun game. And it's at LSU. I don't know. <sighs> Jeez, it's just. I'm going to have to, like. The thing with Richardson is I could have moved him down last week because Hooker and Hall had very good games. And Richardson had a good game, good game against Tennessee, threw for like 400 yards or something, but didn't have the – what's the the word I'm looking for? Didn't put up the pretty – didn't have the prettiest way to put up 400-something yards because you're losing and he's coming back. But Richardson's just so talented. And Hooker could win the Heisman this year. I don't think that's out of the question. I think Hendon Hooker should def- could definitely win the Heisman, and I'd be perfectly fine with that. But it's going to take a lot for him or Hall to pass the get into the top four. And that's just how good I think the top four can be because Richardson's all potential. Hall and Hennon Hooker this season alone have played better than Richardson. I'm not stupid or naive to that fact. I just think Richardson's more talented. And we're looking at NFL prospects. Richardson, I think, is a better prospect. The number seven, so Hooker's at six. Seven, Will Rogers. Will Rogers had the the – the fortune of being behind a guy that had a bye week and a guy who got blasted by 20 points on the road. And that's Tanner McKee. And Hall or Rodgers, against the 17th-ranked team in the nation, tossed three touchdowns at 329 yards passing. And this is the thing with Mississippi State that makes it so hard to rank Rodgers because Rodgers is probably, him and Tanner McKee, unless I'm missing someone, are the two most unathletic quarterbacks in this draft class. And that's not, I'm not trying to be mean when I say that. They're just not as fleet-footed as the other quarterbacks in this draft class, if that makes sense. I'm not saying there's complete statues, but Mississippi State's offense, mixed with the fact Rodgers not a very great athlete, their offense is predicated on plays already being set up, but there's not a lot of reading. And that can make it kind of hard to scout. But the thing I like with Rodgers, when you look past that, they're throwing screen plays a lot. There's a lot of short one-step drops. not a lot of reads involved. Rodgers is so accurate. Like, he can put a ball literally anywhere. Now, he had a his uh, – which touchdown was it? Or maybe it was last week that I'm thinking of. He had one touchdown pass 
on an out route. They were at like the five yard line and it was behind the receiver. He scored a touchdown, but it wasn't a great throw. But he's just so accurate. And he's putting up monster, monster numbers this year. 19 touchdowns, only three picks this year, 1,700 yards. He's putting up insane numbers. It's hard to ignore him, but I can understand why people wouldn't rank him as highly just because of the offense he runs. And that's that's kind of an unfair-ish criticism on him because he's not reading. He's throwing it and being accurate with it. That's sometimes all this offense needs. But he's playing well. He's playing well. I expect to put up good numbers against Arkansas. Van Dyke's at eight. He dropped one spot. He had a bye week. But just after the week that he had against Middle Tennessee, he had to drop one spot. They play North Carolina. North Carolina does not have a good defense. So he should have a good bounce back week. Mario Cristobal has already announced that uh, he's the starter. So this will be a good, hopefully a good bounce back week. Hopefully they rectified some things over the bye week. <laughs> hopefully they got a lot of things straightened out. Uh, number nine, we got Tanner McKee from Stanford. Didn't have a bad game, really. He didn't play great, but he didn't have a terrible game against Oregon. It just Oregon beat him up. Like, they're off the line, and Stanford's O-line against these teams that they're playing are just getting annihilated. Absolutely annihilated. And I feel kind of bad for Tanner McKee. He's a big dude, can throw the ball over the field. But he's just got no time to do anything. And Oregon made him pay a lot. Now, the thing with Stanford is they're allowing a crap ton of points all season. Like, they're allowing an insane clip of points. But they're scoring a decent amount as well. Like, you look at all the games they've lost, they allowed 40 points in each game to <laughs> the games they've lost. They've scored over 20 as well. Like, they are scoring. They are trying to be competitive. And this week against Oregon State should be fun. Should be very fun. I know Oregon State's coming off a couple losses. But they've been competitive. They were competitive against USC. They got blown against Utah. And I think Stanford, this will be a tough game for them. They are the seven-point dogs in this game. Stanford coming off three losses. But they just need to give McKee some time. I think he can work it. I think he can work it. But he's just he's just got no time. And the number 10, I had him at number 9. But I was like, I feel kind of bad for moving him up to number 9, moving up two spots from being unranked after throwing two not great interceptions against Cal. I felt kind of bad for that, so I moved him back down to 10. But that's Cameron Ward. I think Cameron Ward can make is can make so many amazing throws. Cameron Ward can make every single throw in the football field. He's not necessarily the biggest guy out there. He's got a pretty unorthodox throwing motion. But he's like Bryce Young to a certain extent of where he can throw off balance and hit everybody on the field. Like, there was one throw he had where it was a read option or RPO-style play. I don't, I, I, I shouldn't say that. I don't know if it was exactly an RPO or if it was just a fake handoff. But the running back ran, to his, ran across from the left. DeAnd crashed. And with the DeAnd in his face... He launched the ball over the defender and laid it perfectly in the receiver's breadbasket for a touchdown. Like, Cameron Ward is an insane talent when it comes to the quarterback position. He just needs to cut down on the interceptions. Dude throws seven interceptions this season. And, like, against Cal, two interceptions. Both came in the end zone. Both interceptions came in the end zone. Both came when they were throwing in the double coverage. Both of them. And both of them were... Now, the second interception... I'll slide, uh, no, I won't I won't slide a little bit more. He, he rolled out to the left originally, reversed out to the right, and then tried to force the ball in the end zone when there was a defender already in front of that receiver and then another defender in front of that defender. He should have just thrown it out of bounds. He's trying to score, and I respect him for that. He's trying to get points every single time he touches the football, but that, that's not realistic. That's not how it's going to happen. And they're playing USC this week in LA. I think Ward can pull out the upset. Like, they pull up an upset in a way tougher venue in Wisconsin. I know Wisconsin's on a better team than USC, but it's a tougher venue. 
And so, and they're 13 point dogs. At least they were. I don't know if they still are 13 point dogs. Let's check. When do they play? Yeah, they're still 13 point dogs. I think there's a chance they could perform well in this game. I don't know if they'll win, but I think Ward could have a decent game in this one. So there's the top 10. Reminder of the top 10. We've got CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, Jaron Hall, Hendon Hooker, Will Rogers, Tyler Van Dyke, Tanner McKee, and Cameron Ward. And the honorable mention, we got Sam Hartman, KJ Jefferson, Grace McCall, Michael Penix Jr., and Dorian Thompson Robinson, who's coming off a great game against Washington with a 40-32 victory with three touchdowns through the air and one on the ground as well. Awesome game for DTR. Love DTR. One of my favorite quarterbacks in all of college football. And if you've listened to the show long enough, you would know that because he's an absolute beast. But yeah, those are our rankings. We're looking at college football this weekend. We got a lot of really fun matchups. We got a lot of fun ones. We got TCU in Kansas, which is going to be an insanely fun game. <laughs> 5 0 Kansas versus 4 0 TCU. College game day will be there. Tennessee LSU is going to be fun. Arkansas Mississippi State is going to be fun. Then we've got UCLA versus hosting Utah. Those will be very, very fun. We've got Washington going to Arizona State. Washington stood, should blow the brakes off them. It should be kind of fun. Washington State USC will be fun. Carol, South Carolina versus Kentucky could be pretty fun. BYU Notre Dame would be really fun. I think BYU. I, I want BYU to win, but could be fun. Iowa State hosting Kansas State a night game. Kansas State is the favorite in that one. Adrian Martinez playing very very well this year. And the Florida State NC State. 7 o'clock on ACC Network and then A&M versus Alabama and stuff like that. Alabama's a 24-point favorite against A&M, and that's even with that question mark surrounding Bryce Young. I don't know if this is going to be increased if Alabama has Bryce Young or if it'll get decreased if Milrose playing. We don't even know who's going to start this game. We don't know who's going to play. And yet they're still 24-point favorites in this game. Craziness. Absolute craziness. And if you remember last year, my friend Tom messaged me every week and said, hey, Logan, could you go through college football and tell me who I who you think is going to win? And I, I didn't do particularly well last year. I didn't do well. But he asked me to do it again. And I am nervous because I don't want to do bad. I want to do good. So we'll go through each game that he has on here and, like, come up with, I don't know, a short little thing, a segment or whatever, I can't mark on this, can I? I have to do it on my phone. So, here we go. We've got a bunch of games here. Try to be as quick as possible. So, we've got Memphis and Houston. So, Houston was a top 25 team at the start of the year. Uh, They stink. But Memphis, as we know about Memphis, traditionally, at least, I shouldn't say traditionally. No, 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 it's pretty traditional. (laughs) Their defense is not really ever that good. Neither defense in this game is going to be very good. We're going to have a high-scoring game. Memphis right now is a two-point favorite. Memphis is coming off a couple very nice wins, or they've allowed a couple, a lot of points, apart from the game against Temple. But I think it, with it being at home, I'm going to go with the Memphis Tigers. I just, Houston's just not playing very good. Like, every single game they've had has been close, and they haven't been playing like a murderer's row of teams either. Like, I'm, I'm going to go with Memphis in this one. San Jose State versus UNLV. Okay, so we got a Mountain West game going on right here. It's a Friday night game. 4-1 UNLV taking 3-1 San Jose State. UNLV, they lost, one loss came to Cal. San Jose State's came to Auburn. Both games were relatively close. UNLV lost 20-14 against Cal. San Jose State lost 24-16 against Auburn. 
both on the road, both impressive. Who do I think will win, though? Who's the quarterbacks for for San Jose State? Oh, I was hoping it was um, who's the dude from Arkansas? I don't remember his name. <laughs> he's he's bounced around like eighteen different college football teams. Uh, who are we gonna say wins this game? Who are we gonna say wins this game? Both defenses are fine. I mean, San Jose State's considerably better defense, but UNLV's offense is considerably better as well. We're gonna go with UNLV with the road upset. Road upset for UNLV. They're six and a half point dogs. We're going to go with the running Rebels (coughs) of UNLV. Moving to the Big Ten. Got Purdue taking on Maryland. Remember, Maryland had their tough loss against Michigan a few weeks ago. They just beat Michigan State 27-13. Purdue has been kind of, I don't know, up and down this year. Like There were a decent amount of expectations for Purdue going into the season, including for myself. I thought Purdue was going to be a pretty good team. Then they lose to Syracuse, which I did predict would happen. But then they have a tough game against Florida Atlantic. And then they beat Minnesota last week, which is fair. I'm going to go with the Boilermakers. It's at Maryland, but I'm going to go with Purdue. I don't really have a lot of reasonings for it. I just think Purdue's going to win. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think Purdue's defense is better. Their offenses are too, their offenses are fine. I like both offenses, but I'm going to go with Purdue winning this game. Then we got Kansas versus TCU. I want, in my heart of hearts, I want to pick Kansas. I want to pick Kansas. I'm I just not going to. I'm not going to. After what I watched TCU do to Oklahoma last week, I know Oklahoma's not very good, and maybe they're running on an emotional high. Maybe they're not going to perform anywhere near that level again. But, man, that was really fun. That was really, really fun. And then Oklahoma, Texas. This one's going to be a little bit. I am going to go with Texas. They say it's at Oklahoma. It's It's in the Cotton Bowl. It's not a home game for either one of these teams. It's right dead smack in the middle. I know it's in Texas, but... Yeah, Oklahoma looks really bad. Their past two weeks have been bad. And I thought, did I hear something about Dylan Gabriel being out? Am I crazy? He had a head injury last week. Did he? Is he going to play? I don't know how big that will be, given how he played against Kansas State and didn't play very He played well, but the team didn't play very well. I don't think Dylan Gabriel will play, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Texas regardless. Uh, they're not saying anything on Twitter or anything. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Oklahoma. I am gonna go with Oklahoma in this or Oklahoma. I'm gonna go with Texas. I'm gonna go with Texas. Florida and Missouri. I already said that I think Richardson will ball it against Missouri. I'm gonna go with Florida. So what's the line in that game? I don't even know what the line is. Eleven. Uh, okay, that kind of scares me. Eleven's a scary line, but I think. They finally found their niche, I guess. I... No, we're going to go Florida. I think Florida can cover. I think Florida's good enough to cover. I think they've been battle-tested this year. I think they can beat. I think they can win. I think they can win. The Tennessee versus LSU, I think Tennessee will win, and I think they'll cover. I think Mississippi State will be Arkansas, given how Arkansas's pass game has looked defensively. Oklahoma State versus Texas Tech. I think Oklahoma State should win. They're a 10-point favorite over Texas Tech. How's Texas Tech been doing this year? Texas Tech coming off a loss to Kansas State. They beat Texas in overtime, lost to NC State. Still really good on offense. Nine and a half is the line for Oklahoma State. It's at Oklahoma State. We're gonna. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Utah taking on UCLA with how UCLA played last week. This is a lot tougher than I would have originally expected. 
I would have picked UCLA to win this game, or Utah to win this game fairly comfortably with how UCLA's offense has been playing recently. It's going to be tough. But in the same breath, Utah's offense ain't no slouches either. I am going to go with Utah. I know it's at UCLA. I'm going to go with Utah. Georgia and Auburn, 30 points? Good Lord. 30 points, Auburn and uh, Georgia. Ugh, I hate that. I absolutely hate that. 30. 30 points. George, I mean, Auburn's offense is bad. I, I, You know what? We're going to go with the 30. We're going to go with the 30. I've doubted Georgia in the past by picking the dogs, like the underdogs in this game or the massive line like that. Like, remember Arkansas last year where I thought Arkansas could actually cover against them? Nope. That was brutal. That was a terrible game. Then we move on to Tulane versus East Carolina. Tulane versus East Carolina. 4-1 Tulane versus 3-2 East Carolina. So we've got East Carolina coming off a win against USF. Tulane coming off against win against, against Houston. They're coming off a bye week. Well, no, not a bye week, but they played on Thursday. Uh Oh my god, I hate these I hate these games. I hate these games so much. Let's skip to North Carolina versus Miami. I'm gonna go with North Carolina beating Miami. Just given how Miami's playing this year, they're just not looking really good on offense. I know my I know North Carolina's defense is not very good, but Miami's offense is just not looking great. Like how David how how Drake May is playing as well. Like their offense looks really, really good. Look really, really good. Miami just looks really and they don't really get a massive home crowd either, so I'm not, I'm going to go with them. Washington versus Arizona State, 13 points. Yeah, I'm going to go with Washington. Then we got – hold on. Let's go to the next page. I'm not confident in any of these. I'm so nervous from last year. I just don't – I don't like doing this anymore. This is stressful. This is stressful. UCLA versus Washington State. Ah, skip it. I don't know. Oh, my God. I think Alabama will beat A&M fairly easily. a and not very good. Oregon, 12-point favorites over Arizona. Jalen Delura has been playing very decently this year. Arizona's actually got a semi-competent quarterback, which is weird to say. They haven't had one of those in years. They just beat Colorado, who's dog water. Um, I think Oregon should be able to win that game and cover. They are 12.5-point favorites. Yeah. Oregon State-Stanford, 7 points is the line for that one. I'm going to go with Stanford, I think. This might all change. This might all change. I, I recommend none of you listen to me. No one listen to me with this. I have no idea what I am doing right now. I'm trying my hardest. I'm trying to be reasonable here, but it's not working. NC State versus Florida State. Should be a fun one. Should be a very, very fun one. Jordan Travis is playing well for Florida State. They played well against Clemson. Both teams lost to Clemson. Wait, no, they didn't. What Florida State lost last week, lost Wake Forest. Wake Forest lost to Clemson. That's what that was my mindset there. Ugh. NC State versus Florida State. We're gonna go with the Seminoles. Upset at home. Upset at home. Florida State. I just like I like Florida State. I like Jordan Travis. I like this team. I'm gonna go with Florida State beating NC State. Upset at home. Or on the road. On the road. BYU versus Notre Dame. I'm gonna go with the Cougs. I'm gonna go with the Cougs. I I hate this. I absolutely hate this. Then we've got USC versus Washington State. <laughs> I'm trying my hardest, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying my damnedest. 
I just can't. It's just hard. It is really hard. USC versus Washington State. Again, I think Washington State can play well in this game. USC, they haven't looked great. I know they've they've won by double digits in almost every game they played apart from the Oregon State game. They haven't played great. They haven't played great. I don't even think the most diehard USC fan will tell you they've been playing great. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Cougs covering. I'm gonna go with the Cougs covering. I'm gonna go with the Cougs covering. 13 points. I'm going with the Goose covering. And then the game that I do not want to predict at all, and I predict, I can tell you guys are, you should tell which game I'm talking about. It's Iowa, Illinois. This game's going to suck ass. I do not want to talk about this game whatsoever. I think Illinois will cover, and I think Illinois will win. Illinois' defense is good. Illinois' defense is good. Illinois' offense is also good. Tommy DeVito, transfer from Syracuse, playing well this year. Playing very well this year. Like, it, it's just not. Like, Chase Brown, 733 yards rushing this season. I'm just not. I don't want to watch Iowa anymore. <laughs> I don't. I just don't want to watch Iowa anymore. It's just brutal. It's just not It's just not fun. It's not fun. I do not enjoy myself when I watch Iowa football. I, I just don't. I'm sorry. If you, if you enjoy it, I'm sorry that you enjoy it. I'm sorry you feel that way. Iowa State versus Kansas State. It being at night at Jack Trice, I'm going to pick Iowa State. I have no real reason other than that. Kansas State's been playing really well. Adrian Martinez has played really well. That's my only reason there. Do not try to make me explain that because I'm not going to. And then we got a Sun Belt matchup. We got, oh wait, it's not Sun Belt. What conference is it? <laughs> oh my God. I'm struggling. We got a Conference USA matchup. Conference USA, Western Kentucky versus UTSA. Big, high-powered offenses on both sides of the ball. I think I am going to go... Who am I going to go with here? I'm going to go with Western Kentucky on the road. I think I've got... I'm going to I'm gonna take the Hilltoppers. Then Tulane versus East Carolina. I have no idea about this game. Like, this is one that I have, like... I've had no interest in knowing anything about either one of these teams. I'm just going to pick Tulane because they're at home. That's all my reasoning there is that. Oh, my God. That's brutal. That's brutal. I might not get any game right. I might get every single game wrong. And you know what? I'm content in that. So I just implore you guys not to listen to me talk about, you know, anything. Just don't just don't listen to those picks. Just don't listen to them. I'll do draft stuff. I'm at, I have uh, anxiety from last year. I didn't play well last year. Not doing great this year, so we're just not gonna not gonna worry about it. Not gonna worry about. It. We just put we picked them. We're done. We're done. We're done. We picked them. We're done. We're done. Oh my god. Okay, that's all I've really got for you today on this Friday edition of Logan Blackman Show. I'll leave you with this. Patriots helmets are pretty cool. I I hate the Patriots with all my heart, but man, those red uniforms that should be just their normal uniforms. If you, if you don't if you don't like the Patriots red white uniforms. I don't know what to tell you. Those things are beautiful. That should be just their normal uniforms. And I, I, I've told T-Boy this. Patriots fan T-Boy this. They need to just keep those as their normal uniforms. Like, I know they updated their uniforms to a certain extent when they drafted, like, when they got Cam Newton, they changed the uniforms up to a certain extent. But I like these. I like the red uniforms. I like the red ones a lot. Now, that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed it. If not, I sincerely apologize. We'll try to be better next time. If we're not, I apologize again. Just apologize in advance. I'm sorry for the picks in advance. Don't pick them. I was telling you right now, do not pick them. And with that being said, I will see you all 
later. Have a good weekend. Peace.